0: What am I for the sake of? What am I on behalf of when I'm washing my windows, when I'm caring for these plants, when I'm curating a space where I, I hope that people will come to do good, deep work that benefits the world and that they too become a reflection to the world.
1: Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn and I am honored to be your host. Our mission here on the Impact Entrepreneur Show is not just to inspire you, but also to help you tap into and begin to believe in your God-given potential and purpose. That's right, baby. We want you to not only be inspired, but experience breakthrough. And we do that on this podcast by interviewing incredible people who are using their experiences, their skill set, their platforms to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. And here's the thing. None of these folks are simply sitting back, living a life of a leisure. They have things to do, places to go, and lives to impact. Speaking of that... Like previous guest Jesse Itzler, Dr. Kara Miller has spent time in monasteries, and one particular time, she spent the bulk of her week shelling almonds. And as an encouragement, she was asked to reflect on the following question, what is this task doing for you? Not why are you doing this task, but what is this task doing for you? The answers to that question Kara realized are infinite, and the possibility for that type of reflection isn't hidden away in a monastery. We have the ability to do that right now in the presence and power of our own mind. Considering who you are doing a task on behalf of and why you are doing what you are doing in the first place can and should be an everyday practice. This kind of reflection is what you'll find in, the, in Kara's work too as a professor, executive development coach, and the founder of Inquiry Partners. Kara draws on developmental psychology to coach people in many contexts and uses adaptive leadership theory to consult a wide range of organizations engaging in change efforts and is committed to practices that support the sustainability of this type of integrative work these commitments and disciplines and liberating structures reflect Kara's desire to continually teach and practice an embodied form of leadership that brings alignment to her own and others' spiritual and psychological development. This is an incredibly rich conversation. It's part one of two. And quite frankly, this, I think, for me, will go down as one of my favorite interviews ever. And I think that you'll find out why in these next two episodes. So... Like I said, as an added bonus, Cara will be back for part two of this enlightening conversation next week. So in the meantime, you know what to do. Bust out your pens and paper, take some notes, and brace for impact. Cara Miller, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. I cannot tell you. uh, I've been looking forward to this interview, this conversation for quite a while since we talked on the phone, since I heard you on Powell's interview on, on his Uncharted Performance Show. And he connected us. So thank you, brother, for connecting Kara and I. And, and we talked on the phone in advance of this interview. And I'm just like, super pumped. Me too. Especially because I know I see some of the people that you that are in your tribe and that you talk with and and are working with and collaborating with and creating with. And I'm like, man, that's just so radical.
0: We're better together. (laughs) We get more radical when we're together. So yeah, I'm I'm glad to be counted among your tribe now.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes, my honor. So we we always kick things off with uh, a little bit of getting to. Let's you know, there's that old song, "Getting to Know You." <laughs> anyway, the origin story.
0: You just revealed yourself as a lover of musicals. I think.
1: I, I, <laughs> I actually hold that thought. Okay, I mean, I actually not not a lot of people know this about me, but I've done musical professional musical theater. Get out. No, yeah, yeah. My my original <laughs> I am I am an actor. Like that's who I am. I'm I'm a financial advisor as my that's what I do to <laughs> Put right yeah. on the table. But yes. I am and always have been a performer.
0: Wow.
1: And uh my original pursuit in education was radio television film i did some musical and professional stage stuff between high school and college and then there's a whole we can get into it like what my you know 90 degree right turn was and why and all of the stuff around that um but yes at at my heart i am an actor and if and if somebody called up today and said I we want you to come fly down to LA and uh, read for this part. I would do it.
0: So your song, I will play trivia with you, and that is: Would you like to play the lead in the King and I? I mean, do you want to walk in the Yul Brynner's <laughs> footsteps? No, that's I, where that's from. I. I I
1: that's want to be show. my epic my the show that that <laughs> rips my heart out. Yes, uh, is Les Miserables. Oh, I totally agree. It's my number my, one. My wife and I went and saw it a few years ago in New York uh, and just just weeping.
0: Yeah. Uh, no, I'm ruined every time. I was ruined when I read it. Yeah. ruined when I saw it in LA. Um, and I just last year had the privilege of seeing it in London.
2: Um, oh, man. And
0: I mean, it took me hours of walking afterwards to really process how many of the themes become more meaningful as I grow, as I understand myself as you know, needing so much grace and mercy, yeah. you know, in every part of my life and how right. much is available for me to extend mm-hmm. in every story. Oh, mm-hmm. that one is so powerful. Yeah. It, it's it my is so, one
1: it's so powerful. I for all of my musical auditions, I sang stars. Uh oh, uh, well,
0: I would love to be Eponine, so that's my, uh, you know, tragic.
1: You the know, tragic. I, I think know, we're shades. I, I think, <laughs> I think the 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 most powerful stories are the ones with characters that represent shades that we all possess. Yes. So, like, and that's why Les Mis is so powerful.
0: Yes, and that is, I mean, pulling it to your theme, you know, of entrepreneurship. I mean, talk about a entrepreneur who takes their old identity and the things they've learned in order to create a new identity and make an impact for himself and those he loves. You know, that story is hugely important about receiving grace, about turning around Mm -hmm. and creating something that benefited more than yourself. Um, It's a beautiful story of that. And then of catching up with the shadow you know, Mm -hmm. that you, that, that follows you and having to reconcile with that over time. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, so there we are.
1: It's been a hard (laughs) journey for me. I mean, it's been like letting go of that part of me has not been easy. I
0: can't Uh, imagine.
1: And, um, and the way it happened and, and, You know The bottom line is, we could just start here and then we'll go back to your origin story because this is about you, not me, but I'll just share it. I was pursuing acting and, and I had a lot of people with domain expertise telling me that I should pursue it and that I was good at it and I loved it. And then I had a very important influential person come into my life and say, if you do that, you're going to struggle and you're going to suffer and it's going to be hard and it's going to be lonely and and i responded by not by pursuing a more conventional path you know now as a result of that i i'm reconnected with my wife who i've known so- <laughs> Well, I didn't reconnect with her. I, she, I, she wasn't my wife at the time, but I, uh, I reconnected with a childhood friend who I've known since we were nine, who now is my wife and the mother to my four children.
2: <laughs>
1: now, so there's like, there's a lot of great things that we can make of every path that we choose, right? Yep. And we can take with us stuff, we could leave stuff, we can. I. But I, for a long time, I chose to like just carry a bag of resentment. Yeah. Um, and I still struggle with it, like you know, movies like La La Land uh-huh. um, really draw that out. I mean, not not resentment, but like just a longing, like yeah. because I think that, and spoiler alert for people who haven't seen La La Land, but like it's a really great movie. There's, there's, I think that there's actually three main characters in that in that movie. There's Mia. There's Sebastian and then there's the dream, the muse. Right. And and they kind of all are weaving back and forth. And you know, Seb is chasing his muse, Mia's chasing hers. Then there's this like this ultimately the third character, the muse, is actually love. Right. And if they choose each other, they can still have it's goes actually to something that we're going to talk about it's not an either or scenario it's a both and right yeah and it's a give and take but we live in this world where it's so focused on take 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 that i gotta get mine before you can have yours and and so we end up missing out on all kinds of opportunity so anyway we could talk about that in, in our Thank conversation. Thank you for
0: sharing that. No, I think it's important for people to hear if they haven't heard that and they're a listener of yours.
1: Yeah, I don't know um, if they've heard that or not. I can't remember if I've shared that, but it, it's, it's something I grapple with.
0: Because people may look at your life and perceive that you've had a linear path and yeah, that you've right. known all along what your muse was, what your dream was, and that you knew the steps to follow it to achieve that. Right. And that everything in the universe conspired to create that path for you and here you are right and that literally is never the truth that right. perception yeah and it is actually the truth mm-hmm. it hasn't been linear but everything has been conspiring to bring yeah. you to this place to take you on that journey are yeah. you know the stoics call it amor fat which is like a love of fate. yeah and it's like the the fate of love is that it is carrying you mm-hmm. through a story of your, that is the story of your life. Right. And so how do we love that? You know, yeah. how do we love the design that's unfolding Yeah, um, in the way that it is and not resent it and blame it or ourselves. Right. Um, the story that is, is the story that always was to be.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really is. And, that's why I, I I my show is called The Impact Entrepreneur Show and my yeah. hat says brace for impact because we have these two points, a beginning and an end. We, there's a very reliable statistic. Two out of two people die someday, right? Yeah. We're all born and we all die. And then there's this zigzag like you were describing that happens in between and it's not a straight line. But at the same time, it is because if you tug on both ends of that, If you let
0: go of the dimension of time, you see that there is a storyline instead. And that is better better than the way we judge the use of time. The use of our story, the telling of our story is so much more valuable than how our time has been used. Yes, yeah,
2: um, yes.
0: I am proud of you for being able to see that um, in your life. And it's a really difficult perspective to hold on to. Yeah. Um, you know, I've lost it in my own life at times. Mm-hmm. And now I think I'm, you know, in a place where, as we're going to talk about, you know, that that I do trust my storyline mm-hmm. um, more than I trust a timeline.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took for me, it took a financial crisis and the birth of my fourth child to to really stimulate that. I was diagnosed with male postpartum depression after okay. my, my fourth was born, which, hello, how humiliating is that from a point of view of a man? My wife's the one that carried him, delivered him. Yeah. I'm the one that got postpartum depression. I mean, it was the weirdest thing, you know? In
0: some respect, yes. In a socialized respect, yes. In other respects, you know, why would we not be ready for something like that to happen? It's a total identity shift. For family systems to lose a member... We acknowledge that that's a big deal and that that we can experience trauma and stress from that. Mm -hmm. Um, Why would we not think that a family system gaining a member would not cause stress and potential trauma, right? It's a a similar impact, a loss or a gain. It's Mm -hmm. always going to change the Mm -hmm. makeup of a system, whether Mm -hmm. it's your body. When you gain weight, your body has to change to Mm -hmm. accommodate it. Um, when a cell takes on water, it has to change to accommodate the, mm-hmm. that addition. Mm-hmm. Um, family systems are the same, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, when you say that, yes, socially, that is you know an an unfamiliar reality, but and and probably judged as an unacceptable reality. Yeah. Um, and yet we know that family systems are interconnected, and when they gain or lose, they all have an impact they yes. all re- yeah, an I, impact. you
1: know i appreciate you sh- saying that because i've never absolutely really thought about it that way but that's that's well. That's and very thank true you for
0: sharing that yeah. I think listeners will identify with that share too yeah your yeah. vulnerability in that and the way that you frame that thank um, you. whether yeah. whether you frame it as a humiliating experience or whether you frame it as a real humanizing you know experience for you and understanding how amazing you're that connected in to your wife and Mm -hmm. to your family system that the shifting tides of it loss or gain, would affect Mm -hmm. you that deeply.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was, uh, Mm -hmm. it was humiliating only because of the perceived expectations that I had on myself and nobody else had on me, you know, Anyway,
0: that thing, that's the damnedest thing. <laughs> it happens in all kinds of situations.
1: So, back to the getting to know you. Who was your childhood hero?
0: Wow, cool. My first one, you may crack up, but then let me give some context. My first one, my, what my family would answer, and I think what I'm going to have to really stub up an answer to is my childhood hero was Amy Grant.
1: <laughs> yes. And- <laughs> A Tennessee Christmas. And then-
0: and let me give you reasons why. Number one, she uh, was a very young woman
1: mm-hmm.
0: when she found her voice to write her own music, to write her own lyrics, to craft her own expression of her art unapologetically. Mm-hmm. And so, even though she could have been produced and manage in a way really early on she didn't do that her first album is very simple mm-hmm. the lyrics are uh reflect a uh, um, you know an early maturity of sense making of artistry of understanding of faith and poetry and as she grew as an artist, so did the complexity of her thinking, the um, her ability to incorporate other types of musicians. You can tell her musicianship changes changed mm-hmm. over time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and the major reason why she was a hero when I was a child is because she took what was meaningful to her, her art, if you will, her art, her passion, and the thing that she felt like it was her contribution to the world, and um, where it was perceived to be stuck in one segment of her industry, right? Like the Christian music, the gospel music, whatever Mm. part part, segment of the music industry. And she defied everyone (laughs) and pushed it over into a secular Mm. audience and uh, suffered a lot of the growth pains of doing that and yet um, achieved and excelled to become a more interesting artist a more authentic artist she became she remained my hero over time in the sense that her life and struggles were transparent
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: she was open about um her family system about the difficulty of changing segments of her industry and the criticism that she received about her truest self and what that meant what her decisions about her professional career meant about her, her personal self mm-hmm. um her divorces and uh, parenting foibles. And then I'll give you sort of like the funny answer. So That's the meaningful answer to this question. <laughs> the funny answer to this question is she had the sweetest white guitar that she would play on stage pretty faithfully for a number of years in her career. And I was totally obsessed with this white guitar and the empowerment that she had when she stood up there on her own on a white guitar with performing music that she had written. It totally captured me. So Mm. to this day, I still own the white Washburn guitar, acoustic guitar that I was given for my 12th birthday, which was like the highest achievement I could imagine was that I was going to take up the spirit of, you know, finding my voice, creating who I was and taking it to the world with really full confidence and artistry that started, that started a story like that for me. Um, And I still own that guitar. I play that guitar for my kids. Um, I'm not a musician by trade. I'm not a fantastic musician, but that captures a part of that, you know, Mm -hmm. heroine for me. And Mm -hmm. it continues. I mean, thank God she didn't just sort of disappear one year, you know, when I was like 21, right? Like she carried on. Like I watched her become a, you know, an advocate for social issues and for underrepresented populations. I saw her use her voice, her brand to Mm -hmm. serve the world and and become a very interesting woman. Mm -hmm. So, um,
1: what makes, very you, real. what makes you? What makes you so emotional about this topic?
0: Oh, it's right here. I mean, you ask mm-hmm. someone about their hero; it's about yeah. their, you know, their projected self, their mm-hmm. desired self, the 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 ways they are attracted to the next version of themselves. Mm-hmm. Their, mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the call starts there.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So, mm-hmm. so you know, you you talk to anybody about their call, and immediately, you know, this is why. I feel like I'm good at my job yeah. is, you know, I'm able to hold space for people's deepest call for mm-hmm. when it began. Where is that now? And if it's been lost, how to re- how to reclaim and recover mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and build the life that you need to around answering that call, because mm-hmm. you will always be dissatisfied mm-hmm. with your work and relationships with your breathing until mm-hmm. you truly answer that call with your full
1: self. Mhm. Mhm. I love that. I love it. You know what my favorite Amy Grant song is? Tell me. Mary's song.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Breath,
1: of, Breath of heaven.
0: Yep, love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I sing that at church. We there's a there's a gal that I've been singing with for like 20 years. Oh, wow. And so we'll sing that song together and I'll sing the part that doesn't have anything about being pregnant in it as from the point of view of <laughs> From the, yeah. from the point of view of joseph
0: wow know. talk about tying together your experience of a father and how mixed and complex that's been
2: yeah you know.
0: and talk about joseph as a father whose story was very mixed and complex mm-hmm. i mean you want to talk about having like postpartum depression in mm-hmm. a man i mean it, his this woman who wasn't even his wife this, like you know allegedly isn't even his baby Mm -hmm. Uh, right he's he's now the parent i mean Mm -hmm. and he has to flee to egypt i mean that story is huge for you like yeah i mean that connection is beautiful totally
1: (laughs) and it's there's this one song or one line in it that's that's it's specifically it was sung by you know from the lens of mary but i'm frightened by the load i bear Mm -hmm. in a world as cold as stone Mm -hmm. you know and Mm. and uh and i just love that because it's like we all and what she's carrying is this great gift mm-hmm. right that ultimately she said yes to sacrificing whatever her future might have been in order to give this gift to the world right
0: mm-hmm. yeah and and so did joseph
1: and so did joseph yes
0: yeah
1: even though you know, he didn't want to, right? Like he, you know, and so it's very interesting, regardless of one's faith background, to look at that story, to that that microcosm, that little part of the whole Judeo-Christian narrative and ask themselves, would I do the same thing? What, mm-hmm. what load am I bearing that I am called to give to the world, mm-hmm. you know? And what am I willing to suffer for? You know, the word passion, since... We're talking about entrepreneurship and stuff. Passion is the most flippantly used word in the entrepreneurial domain. And nobody really understands its meaning. Everybody who listens to my show understands its meaning at this point because I talk about it incessantly. And it means the willingness to sacrifice, the willingness to suffer. It comes from the passion of Christ, you know? And it's like when you understand it, it in that, through that lens, it's like changes the whole story. Yeah. You know, so back to you, finish this sentence. Okay. The road ahead is full of.
0: Oh, it's hard to choose one. It's full of potential and it's full of people.
1: Okay. (laughs) Tell us a little bit more.
0: You catch me on a particularly entrepreneurial year. Of my life, it's a it's an important year of my life on my actual timeline. I turned forty this year. I really have come into a different space in owning my own business and driving my own time, um, working hard on my offering, my brand, my unique contribution, and how all of that can be made more available to people. And so, you know, I have a wonderful group of people. You have identified it earlier in this, you know, conversation that I love to work with, that I love to collaborate with, that I think learn from me and that, um, I make it possible for me to learn from them. And yet the call is to expand that tribe of people.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so some of this comes in the form of, um, you know, taking on my own office space. Which I also did this year. Uh, that was a huge leap for me, and it already has become a place where I can expand as a practitioner and and as a leader. Mm. That's been exciting for me. So I think you know when you when you offer that, I'm aware both of my penchant for seeing the world as all possibility <laughs> and needing to balance that with implementing all of the ways that I see potential happening.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, a part of this is that I, I hired a just, okay, kick-ass rock star chief of staff to help me really, you know, draw down and start to choose the kind of work that I want to do, figure out what avenues that I can do that work in a way that invites more people to it. And that when people ask me, you know, for an experience of my work or my perspective, that I would create those opportunities mm-hmm. um, where they may have felt sort of like huddled up over here beforehand. So the mm-hmm. potential has been building and the people have, are calling and um, and I'm ready to, you know, open that up mm-hmm. and do it in a really, you know, a smart business way so that I serve my family well. And also in a way that's really meaningful to me where I am, I'm the crafter and the creator of my work. uh, Mm -hmm. And that I ensure that it is something that, um, you know, is the truest reflection of what, you know, I'm created to do what Mm -hmm. I've been given breath to do. Mm -hmm. And, So here I go. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So the road ahead is full of potential and people. Mm -hmm. Um, And my chief of staff would say, and implementation.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's funny. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the Impact Entrepreneur told you to call. You know, I love that you use the word reflection on there. I'm mm-hmm. I'm really big into words and the meaning of words. Okay. And I was in my prayer and meditation one time, I was like, I wonder what the word reflection means. Mm-hmm. And so I went and I just researched it. And mm-hmm. it means to to bend back time or direct light or heat onto something. And so I'll just leave that there with you because I, I actually think okay. that that is probably one of the most powerful things. we all can do consciously is to reflect because when we do that we get to we actually choose the energy that we're giving something
0: well and to flip even that metaphor one more time over it's to reflect something Mm -hmm. to the world right Mm -hmm. like we're reflecting upon in order to reflect out
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and
0: um Mm -hmm. you know you and i believe that that's like we're reflecting the image of god or the Mm -hmm. glory of god Mm -hmm. deep love that Mm -hmm. the universe was created for. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to be a reflection as much as I am in reflection. And that, you know, interestingly, the other day I I posted something on Instagram about taking one of my mundane tasks and turning it into a reflection and a meditation on the gratitude. So Mm -hmm. it was washing my windowsill, right? I'm washing the windowsill outside the front of my office and, or watering the plants in my Mm -hmm. office and, you know, having people, I had somebody walk by and say, um, hi there, miss, uh, do you have a plant care service? Can you help <laughs> us out? And I'm thinking, yeah, like how intriguing that like these routine tasks of caring for, you know, the things that have been given to me, the things that I've earned or the things that I'm stewarding, yeah. um, and turning those into spiritual practices that mm-hmm. make me more fully a reflection
2: mm-hmm. of
0: what I what I want to be the reflection of. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Reflection in Action or, you know, the book by Brother Lawrence. I don't know if you've heard of this book. Mm. It's a really short read, book by Brother Lawrence, who is a monk, was a monk, who wrote a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. Mm. And he talks about washing dishes as a spiritual discipline, as a meditation on um, why he's been given breath to do what he's doing? Why? You oh my know,
1: gosh!
0: What am I for the sake of? What am I on behalf of when I'm washing my windows? When I'm caring for these plants? When I'm curating a space where I I hope that people will come to do good, deep work mm-hmm. that benefits the world and mm-hmm. that they too become a reflection, mm-hmm. um, you know, to the world. That mm-hmm. that makes those mm-hmm. small little tasks have. Huge impact. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it transforms mm-hmm. the impact of those small tasks.
1: Mm-hmm. The compounds, and, yeah.
0: Wow. Yes, yeah, that yeah. has been so important for me to learn over time.
1: Yeah, totally. You know, um, there's so many things that just come to mind from that that example. But you know, I was there's this this guy named Jesse Itzler who's a very successful entrepreneur. He's his wife is Sarah Blakesley. She's the founder of spanks and oh,
0: okay <laughs> and
1: uh and they're both those
0: people are awesome but i hate those things
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i refuse those things
1: <laughs> the uh so he, it's
0: super amazing every he, a lot of people depend on them
1: <laughs> he found himself out of a out of balance in his relationship with time we've been talking about yes. time a lot and so yes. one, one of the things he did to do to reconnect is he actually decided to to go to a monastery yeah with monks for 2 weeks. Yep. One of the tasks that they had him do because there was a retreat there for 150 people is yeah. is do the dishes. Yep. And he was looking at this brother or this monk and he said, "Look, I got 150 dishes to do." I like he's like, "No, you don't. You just have that one."
2: Mm.
1: You know. Yeah and like it's like wow you know it's so true we get so overwhelmed in by the sheer volume or the size of whatever the potential task is that we lose sight of the incremental step that we need to take to get from the one dish to the 150 dish you know
0: well, and that's—I mean—that's interesting. I too have had the opportunity to take time in monasteries, just mm-hmm. working, and sometimes in silence. And one one particular time, I spent a week there, and a lot of the work that I was doing was shelling almonds. Oh my gosh! Um, because wow. they had an almond grove, and we were shelling almonds. And and what you know, what the encouragement that we had together was is what is this task doing? To you mm-hmm. not why are you doing this task but what is this task doing for you and that and those the answers to that question are infinite you know if you think you only have two answers to that question or three answers to that question like it's way beyond that it's mm-hmm. it's softening my ego mm-hmm.
2: it's
0: giving me a sense of connectedness to you know creation and what is grown and what is consumed and you know how the earth mm-hmm. provides for our nourishment mm-hmm. it is um giving me a sense of like you know my vulnerability and weakness it was really hard work to do actually mm-hmm. my fingers were not tough enough to do the
2: work. Mm-hmm.
0: um and um there were so many lessons in it i guess that's yeah. what i would shedding your shell yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah. there's the, there are illustrations yeah. in there you know forever and um and but the possibility for doing that doesn't only exist in a monastery. You don't have to stop for five days and shell almonds right. to like figure this shit out. You yeah. this is a this is an everyday thing. This mm-hmm. is a, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: who am I on behalf of? You know, what is this for the sake of? Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. that requires some imagination. Yeah. But um but Dude, l- Those are freaking powerful.
1: Oh man. I love it. You know we're we're like cut of the same cloth. You know I mean like <laughs> like like do you drink bourbon? Because we should go hang out and have some bourbon. I
0: do. <laughs> okay. Yes, I do. Smoky bourbon.
1: Oh, nice. Nice. Okay.
0: Recently, I had bourbon with bacon in
1: it. Some bacon
0: oh. bourbon. Bacon infused
1: a, bourbon? I mean, and then a piece yeah. of
0: bacon in the bourbon. Oh, yes. dang. I was in North Carolina and it's local there. And, oh, my gosh. Um, oh, my gosh. It was such a treat. Yeah. That,
1: that sounds he- heavenly. Yes,
0: <laughs> an old fashioned is my drink.
1: Oh, yes, two, yes. I...
0: Two cherries. So anybody who's thinking about, you know, Yes. <laughs> if you Why, need a favor, for me, it's
1: either an old fashioned or a Manhattan or just a nice, neat bourbon. Yes.
0: Know? Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, since you gave us a book recommendation, I will give you another really amazing book recommendation. Okay. Uh, it's It was written in like 1975, I think, but it is about prayer and meditation. It's called Beginning to Pray mm. by Anthony Bloom, who was an Orthodox okay. Russian bishop and it's 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 just remarkable it's it's about prayer but it's also like about us as hum, human beings and the fact that god willed everyone into existence like that that part to me just like we can become so about what's in it for me and mm-hmm. you know getting mine and all this stuff that we forget that even the people that we don't share anything in common with Mm-hmm. The one thing that we do share in common is that we have all been willed into existence, and it's really, really crazy to think about
0: well, okay, so how do you translate that into you know a motivation or what, what what's meaningful about that to you
1: to me, it's like when I think about that, if I'm consciously thinking about it, which i don't always am not because I'm human, right. So I, I have to empathize and understand that, number one, even those that understand that we're all created by a, a all-powerful, loving God, we lose sight of it, okay? Because of our own humanity and life, right? I also know that when when I'm feeling suffering, when I'm feeling hurt or discouraged or challenged by something, that someone else is too. And conversely when i'm feeling joy uh, or you know euphoria about something or excitement about going to the blake shelton concert with my wife today it's it's that someone else is feeling that too and if they're not feeling it they deserve to feel it there was this great sermon i heard once that the number one problem about with love if love is the answer right the number one problem with love is that everyone wants to be loved first mm-hmm. instead of giving it away. Mm-hmm. Right? And man, that is hard.
0: <laughs> well, and what's so cool is like, dude, we have the answer to that question. Like yeah. he who first loved us. Right. Like, I mean, but, yes, but, we were willed into existence, but yeah. out of love. Right. Like, that compulsion was a desire to be in relationship with us, so love willed us, mm-hmm. you know, to mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. and um, and you're right, the conscious memory of that very fundamental fact that he first loved us mm-hmm. before we even had breath, mm-hmm. that, was, mm-hmm. that, that is the reason why we were given breath, is mm-hmm. because he first loved us, it should shut us up, about that need, right? Well, I need to be loved before I love. Okay, well, that's already been taken care of for eternity. So now what would you like to do with that?
1: Yeah. (laughs) And and I think that we all love up to the point where sacrifice is called. Mm -hmm. You know, where where we're called to ultimately lay our life down or to use the Christian phraseology to die to oneself right mm-hmm. and and, th- and that's hard to die to oneself is <clears> really <throat> challenging, you know, but one thing i 'm noticing about you is that you're like you have like a next level like ninja status of empathy, like I get like this wow. feeling that you're like you can emp- you have a real ability to empathize mm. with people and and draw out in fact caro said to me i i messaged her on instagram i said hey i'm talking to caro tomorrow anything that you want me to talk to her about and she said talk to her about how she has the ability to feel other people's energy and run with it and mm-hmm. and to read it and to and to identify what's so how have you always been that way? Have you always possessed that? Is that a skill that you developed? How do you curate it? Do you curate it?
0: Wow, what an interesting um, question. So, you know, obviously, I want to give a shout out to Kara, and that's Caroline Burkle, who's been a, a distinguished guest on your podcast. Before me, amazing human and, being, um, amazing human being, and um, and a soul friend of mine. And so, you know, I'm I'm thankful for you know that you know, mutual connection, mm-hmm. and for her ability to see me, to see my gifts, and to be able to talk about them. Um, that's a really special thing to be to be known, to be seen, and to be valued for, for what you're good at or what you've been gifted to do. Thank you for the ninja comment. That one <laughs> feels really cool to me. So, like, if I had a really You're cool the white ninja of a hero, I would like to be a ninja. I'm yeah. kind of
1: ninja. You're like the Insight white ninja. You, <laughs> you got the white guitar. You got the white blouse on. All you need right now is like a a white like headpiece. You know?
0: <laughs> yes, give it to me. <laughs> no, that's great. I mean, a uh, a ninja of insights or something like mm-hmm. that does appeal. to Because we often stop at our first layer of insight, um, our first answer, our first reflective thought, our first conclusion. And what happens when we do that is we end up building an assumption or a Mm -hmm. judgment or a category for something and it becomes fixed. And then we go about the business of, which are in survival mode, our brain is trained to do this. We go about building the case for confirming that conclusion, that assumption, that category that got created. Mm. And we don't often practice the skill of holding that category open, of holding the assumption or the judgment open, because it feels unsafe, feels unsafe to our brain, feels unsafe to our, our sensibility to say, maybe I don't actually know everything about that, or maybe I don't know that, as assuredly as I feel I know that. Um, and so one of my questions that I think I am either famous for or infamous for with my coaching clients, my students, and my deep friends like Caro, is how might I be wrong about that? And I'm committed to asking that question before others need to for me. And, and that is a spiritual discipline. That is a discipline of inquiry for me that I am always curious about what I have left out, what I have excluded, what I have disowned in my own making sense of the world, in my own giving categories to my experience. Um, And so, you know, in more technical language, you know, challenging your own assumptions about someone, something, some group of people, you know, is a difficult discipline. Mm. And yet, totally essential and so I have crafted that skill over time I'm committed to that skill because I see that it brings people to a place where their development or their imagination about you know how many options or interpretations of the world they have it's where that ends. so Mm. sometimes I talk about on Powell's podcast I talked about it um, as reaching sort of the fence of your own sense making Mm. It's as complicated as you can think, you've taken it to that level. Mm-hmm. And now someone is saying, and what if there's something beyond this? Mm-hmm. Step? Mm-hmm. What if there are more options? You came up with four, and that's outstanding. What if there are eight? What if there are infinite? Mm-hmm. What if so? Oftentimes, this just begins with what do you think the other person is thinking? Mm-hmm. That's one layer of. Mm-hmm. I've got a conclusion. I have an interpretation of what just happened. How can it be that Mm -hmm. someone else has a different interpretation that challenges the one that I just created? Um, As children, it's hard to believe that I remembered the shirt to be blue and you remembered the shirt to be red. This Mm -hmm. can't be. Um, (laughs) And we can't love each other if we can't agree on that right Mm -hmm. like there are these really like you talked about it earlier these either ors like Mm -hmm. it was it was how i remember it Mm -hmm. um in fact it was how you interpreted it at the Mm -hmm. time it Mm -hmm. was how you made sense of it with what you had at the time Mm -hmm. and i think it's maya angelou who said you know when i when i knew something i did my best but like when i knew better i did better and i think about that as in, in terms of sense-making or in terms of cognitive functioning that when I, you know, when I had a simple way of thinking, I had a simple way of making sense of the world and the Mm -hmm. things that happened to me as I grew a more complicated way of thinking, a more complex way of making sense of the world, I was able to do that. Mm -hmm. And, and so I do in my, in my coaching sessions, in my teaching, in my writing And my facilitation, I am. That is often what I'm trying to do: is bring us up to the limits of our sense making, and to invite us to more complex versions of that.
1: Mm -hmm. But by complex, do you ultimately mean simple? And the let me let me kind of frame that question because I we have. We love complexity because it, like, it means that we don't have to make decisions. It means that we can, like, just you know, we can blame something going wrong because it's you know Friday the thirteenth, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> and and ultimately I forget who. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. I think that was Da Vinci that that said it. I was going to say Leonardo DiCaprio but he definitely didn't say it.
2: <laughs> not uh, quite.
1: <laughs> uh, but I just think about like all of these abilities that we possess to to take super complicated things and to make them simple and it's not to like to diminish devalue them. or diminish Mm-mm. them. No. It's, to elevate them. Because actually, when you accept complexity for its own sake, you do diminish it. Uh, Well,
0: and maybe I would say that a little different. I hear hear the question in there and I like it and I take it. Champion it. uh, I will. (laughs) Um, And that is that developmentally, right? So I study and teach developmental psychology and we understand that as people grow in their um, cognitive functioning, that the more complex they are able to think, the more you know grounded they need to become mm-hmm. because there is the temptation to, like you're saying, to like sort of um, become untethered from the reality of you know what that complexity can do to serve the here and now in you know in real time. Mm-hmm. So it is a discipline and a skill to have the complexity of thought and to be able to bring it to ordinary time. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I think you you used the word sophistication. And mm-hmm. so I would say, yes, that the more sophisticated your thinking is, the more clearly, you know, how to bring it to ground, mm-hmm. to bring it to real time, to bring it to the here and now into an active place that we can actually live, you know, live it out.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And my best filtering question for that for your complexity so this sort of shadowy side of complexity like oh complexity is so awesome it's shiny it's exciting it's whatever but like it also has this shadowy side where it's like okay but where did it take us right my best filtering question for that is is this useful Hmm. so we can talk all day at the level of you know quantum entanglement and you know wrinkles in time and you know all of that kind of stuff is it how is it useful to us mm-hmm. how is it useful in demonstrating that grand love that was the originating force of life and creation mm-hmm. how is it useful to connecting us to each other and to communities and to ideas that bridge the boundaries we've constructed how does it further our purpose and contribution in the world mm-hmm. That question is very hard. Is this useful? Because Mm -hmm. our judgments and our assumptions and all, you know, about being sophisticated and being complex and fancy or whatever, you know, smart, they tempt us away from the, is it useful? Mm -hmm. So my some of my work in myself is to say, if I'm going to these places of complexity, if I am a ninja of insight or however you want to say it, if I've honed that craft in order to see parallel versions of meaning or Mm -hmm. parallel versions of application or connectedness? Is the pursuit of that useful for the love that we want to demonstrate in the world and the activity that we are in relationship doing? Mm -hmm. Is that a reflection of the grand elegance and sophistication and simplicity of creation, Mm -hmm. which it truly is, right? Mm -hmm. The complexity of creation comes down into is is reflected in the simplicity and sophisticated you know systems of our earth of our right. bodies mm-hmm. of our earth and and of organizations mm-hmm. we, you know we reflect that too the mm-hmm. sophisticated elegance simplicity of that
1: mm-hmm. beautiful yeah that 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 i mean like it's so true and and you know it's you know, going back to your whole gift that Carol called out of insight, really, and mm-hmm. it reminds me of this proverb, I think it says, uh, the purposes of one's heart are many, and the one with insight draws them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And, and I think that we all fall victim to the lie that we only have one purpose. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I love the part that says that the purposes of, of one's heart are many. Mm-hmm. And I and also maybe
0: helping people discover more of yeah, that right? right to take your sort of one purpose, which is a cheap, you're right. It's cheap in the economy of ideas right now. Purpose right. and passion, I think you said yeah. passion So yeah. passion and purpose. you know yeah. what's your why? What's your passion? Thanks. I love those questions. Yeah. I don't think that they are layered enough. Right. And one of the places that I very easily feel confident going with someone who's ready and willing is to be a companion in asking the question how can you multiply your understanding of your Mm -hmm. purpose and passion? Mm -hmm. Because your experience of it being meaningful will multiply Mm -hmm. accordingly. Mm -hmm. And your experience of relationship with other people and with source and with your creator will multiply accordingly. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, totally. And I, I always give this analogy of purpose being a souvenir coffee mug, holding pens in it. You probably have one on your desk somewhere um some sort of a <laughs> you know, cup like feature what? holding pens right <laughs> That's
2: what? That's it's what? doing
1: something but not necessarily the right thing that was the mm. belief i held okay okay but after further reflection that receptacle is still the receptacle it doesn't change it what it, it's still facilitating something. Okay. Right? It may not be ideal. It may not be ideal for for my coffee mug here to, to have pens in it. Maybe <laughs> it should have an old fashioned or something.
0: It but wasn't its created purpose, you're saying, right?
1: It wasn't what it was in, intended to be. To okay. be used for. But just because it's not being used as intended doesn't mean it's still not useful. Right. And I think that what people get caught up on is this whole idea of of I'm not being used for my intended purpose, therefore I am not useful. Okay. And I think that we see that a lot with people who have had their whole and 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 caro and and a lot of olympic athletes will talk about this they've their whole entire life has been designed to serve this one purpose and then it ends yes so they have this whole question of usefulness thank you to this week's guest and thank you for listening If you missed any of the key points and highlights from my conversation, we've got you covered over at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash podcast for show notes to each and every episode. And while you are there, check out Flynn Wealth Strategies and Insurance Solutions. You can do that by visiting FlynnWealthStrategies.com the Lot Marketing Group, and the Podcast Masters. We could not do this show without them and with all of their support. Now, until next time, go make an impact.